Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Take your Bibles to the book of Romans today. As you're turning to Romans chapter 5, I have to confess to you this, this morning about what happened to me on Friday, and I kind of feel bad about it, but not really. I had a scammer call me on the phone, and uh, he called and, and said um, that he, my, my Microsoft Defender was out of date, and to continue it, it was, it was $400 for me to continue it, my Microsoft Defender. And so I said, well, I don't want to continue it. Can I go ahead and cancel it? He said, yes, you can, and he was a man that had an accent, I could tell he had an accent. And he said, um, if you'll go to this particular website, and I was looking for a Microsoft website, but it was some website where I had to give him access to my computer. And um, so I listened for about another 30 seconds, and I figured to myself, this guy don't work for Microsoft. And then I just kind of got mad, and I thought, he's probably cheating people out of money. And that's just not right. So I said, look, um, finally he was talking about what I need to do. I said, look, I'm not going on this website because you don't work for Microsoft. And he started telling me, yes, I do, something, something, something. I said, no, you don't. You're lying. You're lying and you're cheating people out of money, and that's not right. And then I don't know if the spirit came on me or something. And I said, you know what? If you keep lying and cheating, you're going to go to hell. And I love you too much. I love you too much for you to go to hell. And he kept talking about how he, you know, looks and he worked for Microsoft and something, something, something. I said, no, you don't. You're lying. You're going to go to hell if you don't repent and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. I said, if Jesus Christ comes into your life, he'll give you a different job. One that you don't have to go and lie and cheat and steal to people. And he stopped. He said, what other job am I going to find? And I said, I don't know, but I know this. If you give your life to Jesus and get life right, right with God, he'll give you a better job where you don't have to lie, steal, and cheat, steal, and cheat, steal, steal and cheat to people. Finally, he said, he, I said, look, we're going to pray. And you just believe this prayer in your heart, repeat after me. And so I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I prayed heaven down. I prayed he'd get his life right, his family would get their life right, his kids would get their life right. When I got done, I said, amen, he had hung up. <laughs> but he heard the message of Jesus, amen. So I, uh, as I was thinking about that, this is where today's message has kind of come from. Because there's three things that every single Christian needs to understand. Every single believer in Jesus, no matter what age you are, there's three topics that you have to have a good uh, handle on if you're going to live a successful Christian life. And they are three topics that, that, you know, some people may assume that everyone understands these. You may think that, oh, yeah, I got that. I got that back when I gave my life to Christ. Or some may assume that they know everything there is to know about these particular topics. Some might assume that these topics really not are really relevant to a Christian in today's world. you got to go on to something else. But I want to tell you just real touch to today on three topics. And the topics are sin, the blood of Jesus, and the cross of Christ. It is physically impossible to go through everything there is about those three topics in the next 30 minutes. But I want you to know this, we're going to do our best, and it doesn't matter what place you're at in your walk with Christ, to understand what Jesus did by shedding his blood for our sins on Calvary's cross. It's one of the most important things, probably the things that we could ever begin to try to, try to uh, contemplate or think about. It doesn't matter. The beauty of it is, is you think, well, that's for a smart people. That's for theo the theology people. That's for pastors. I'm, not, I'm just a regular Joe. And a, no, no, no. Understand, the Bible's been given for all men, that all men may know the goodness of God. 
And so it doesn't matter if you think you're smart or not so much. It doesn't matter what denomination you adhere to. If you say, well, I'm more lean more towards the Baptist or the Catholic or whatever it might be. My friend, the same Bible that, that God wrote is for the Baptist and for the Catholic and the Pentecostal. And the principle that God gives us through the blood, through the cross of Christ, and through sin is one of those things that not every person, every believer needs to understand. I came across this one day at about year eight or nine in my Christian experience. Came across, and I realized I'd been doing it long enough to know that it was tough sometimes to live for God. It wasn't as easy as, you know, you know, it made it, sometimes I made it out to be. And I heard a man preaching on the message of the cross and how God, Jesus, what happens when he died for us, how it changes us on the inside. It gives us power over the devil, power over the, the world, and power over my own life. And I felt like for the first time that I had finally found an answer of how to live for God. And so I've spent the next 20 years, and I realize that it really is the right way to live for God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, once again, these topics couldn't be adequately expressed without the person of the Holy Spirit to bring that anointing upon voices and upon the, the, um, the hearers. And today, I just thank you that every heart will be captivated, young and old. And they'll, God, that this message will get down on the inside of each one of us. Some of us, again, for the umpteenth time. Some of us, maybe for the first time. But for all that, God, we do thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. What's your problem? What's your problem? Anybody ever asked, anybody ever asked you what your problem is? I've had, people, I've had people ask me that. What's your problem? And my pat answer is usually you. <laughs> But then I came to realize something that, you know, my really biggest problem is me. Because, see, the thing is, sometimes I would think that it's other people that are my problem, but I can't control them. I can't tell them how to talk and how to act. The only person that I realized that I could, I could control was me. And I realized this, I wasn't doing a very good job of it. I couldn't control my friends, couldn't control my temper, so I lost friends you know, over that. I couldn't control jealousy that would rise up in me, and I, I lost over that too. I couldn't control greed, and I lost money over that. I, I couldn't control my mouth, and, and well, I just lost sleep over that. And I could blame all kind of people for the problems that I faced, but at the end of the day, I had to blame myself, and it's one of the hardest things for people to do is to not stop and justify ourselves, but to put the blame squarely on our shoulders. Do you believe that's true? How many of you men? Ever had your wife asked you to do the dishes? How many men have some really good excuses why you didn't do the dishes? What'd you come up with? Well, look, I worked all day long, and I was tired. I didn't want to do the dishes. Well, I had to walk the dog today because he hadn't been on a walk in the last hour, so I had to walk him, and I couldn't do the dishes. Sometimes we really realize this, that the things that we do, we justify ourselves, and that happens not just with doing the dishes, it happens in life, and I realized I was justifying myself, and I had to come to God and say, God, help me to know how to live for you. There was a standard that God had, had put for me, and I'd set for myself, and, and God had for me, and I realized this, that I couldn't make it. And so the first thing that I realized, and God began to show me, is that I was a sinner. Not that I was a pretty good person and God just sprinkled a little bit of Jesus on top of me. I, on the inside of me, something was wrong. Romans 5 and 12 says it like this. As by, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Understand this, that I, if I was a computer, I'm a corrupted computer. My files are, have, been, have been damaged. 
a characteristic that I was given from my dad and my mom and my dad's dad, my dad's dad all the way back to Adam, just like the color of my hair, the color of my eyes and the type of skin that I have. I was given a characteristic on the inside and that makes me a sinner. And the problem with sin is that everything it touches, it destroys. Anybody ever used Roundup? I didn't really know what Roundup was till I moved to the country. Pastored a small church in the city, when you cut your grass, you go around with a, an edger and you edge the sides of it. Not in the country. You put Roundup where you're supposed to edge and you never have to edge again. Some people put Roundup over the whole thing and they never have to cut the grass again. But everything Roundup touches, it destroys. If it touches the grass, it destroys it. Weeds, it destroys it. Fruit, it destroys it. If it, matter of fact, this, my neighbor told me it'll even kill the fence post. So the thing is, is the same principle as that with this thing on the inside of me, this sin nature. Everything it touches, when it manifests, it destroys and so I learned something from this, that that's why we talk about sin in church. We talk about the things that, that God has us to do. It's why we tell our kids don't have sex till you get married because we know it destroys everything that sin touches. It kills. And when we do things outside of God's plan and God's purposes, it kills everything it touches. Why does God say don't lie? Because it kills when we, when we tell stories. Why does God say honor your parents? Because it, it doesn't work out if you don't. My mother used to whip me because she didn't want the things that I did were wrong. She knew that if I continued in those things, doing things that were wrong, lying, cheating, stealing, dishonoring my parents, she knew it wouldn't work out for me, so she disciplined me to do that. So as I discovered that there was this thing on the inside of me that I couldn't control, no matter how hard I tried, self-motivation wouldn't help it, discipline wouldn't help it, the uh, self-help wouldn't help it, everything that I tried wouldn't help me to overcome this thing on the inside of me. And then came the book of Romans, one of the most wonderful books in the whole entirety of Scripture. And I discovered a couple of things about Romans that I want to share with you just this morning for just a minute and first of all, I discovered is that Roman was, was, decide, was the first eight chapters, it's two parts. It's two parts to the book of Romans, and the first four talk about the forgiveness of sins, and the second part talks about being delivered from sin. And so the first of four, if I could just jump through that, it says deals with the sins that I've already committed. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 24. He says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Jesus Christ, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. You say, what does that mean? It says, how do I handle the things that I've already done wrong in the past? How do I deal with those things? See, the thing is, when I did something wrong, my conscience got me. It messed me up. I, I felt like I'd done something wrong and I, and I had to somehow make it right. It's the thing about sin. Sin leaves a, a mark. It leaves a stain on the life of a person. Things that I'd done, lies that I'd told. I felt like I had a big dot on my forehead or a big sentence and it said, I am a sinner. And when I messed up, everybody knew it. And so the thing is, God, what do you do with that? That feeling, that thought when I've wronged and done something wrong. What, God, what do, how do I get rid of that feeling? And the good news is that God provided a way to deal with the sins that we committed. And it's called this, it's called the blood of Jesus. Is anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? 
the, the, the things, the feelings, that the, all the sin that had been in my life and in my heart and the stain and the guilt and the shame that came with it, it's the blood of Jesus that wipes that all away. Bible says he that is free is free indeed. Can I tell you I can be free because of the blood that Jesus shed? Because when it's applied to the life of a sinner and it's applied to the sins of the past, can I tell you it'll wipe every single one away. And the beauty is this, is that he said in Romans 5 and 8, that God commends his love towards us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. How being justified, how by his blood shall we be saved from the wrath of God through him? As we confess the things that we've done wrong before God, he forgives us every single time. If I tell a lie, I confess that sin before God, will he forgive me and take away the guilt? <laughs> yes. If I steal something, if I stole something, took something that wasn't mine, and I bring that before God and I confess it to him, will he wipe away the guilt that I feel in my conscience every single time? What about murder? What about abortion? What about rape? What about my life? And, and I did things that I'm not proud of and things or people did things to me. How did I wipe the, st the stain and the guilt away? My friend, come to God and say, God, please forgive me and cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. And God will forgive you and cleanse you and wipe away that stain every single time. It's the most wonderful thing because the worst feeling in the world is the guilt that sin causes. Really, I mean, it does. Don't you just hate it? I mean, you mess up one time, and you're like, I hate that. Why'd I do that? I shouldn't have told her I had $20 when I really don't have, when I really have 50. Miss Leanne asked me if I had money, and I said, no, I don't have any. No, I had $50 in my pocket, but if I told her I had it, she'd want it. My conscience just got me there. It's the worst feeling in the world. I don't have $50 in my pocket, by the way. But the best feeling in the world. One of the greatest feelings you'll ever feel is when you have had your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. And the guilt is gone. And the shame is gone. And the victory is felt. It's one of the greatest things in the world you could ever feel is to have Jesus wash your sins away by the blood of Jesus. A man was sitting here one day. We'd had a, a service evangelist had come. He'd come forward to receive Christ. Actually, he was coming back to God. He'd, he'd been, been a believer and gotten away from God, gotten into different types of things. You know, me, when people give their life to Christ, Ryan, you know, you know sometimes the, the way they respond is kind of fun to watch. Sometimes they'll respond, and, you know, you'll see tears coming down their eyes, down from their eyes. Sometimes when they respond, I mean, they get excited. They jump up and down. And this guy, he was standing at, at the altar, and he was looking just like this. Which is kind of ironic. You don't see that very much. And I walked up to him, and I was so excited for him. I knew he'd responded to, to, to receive Christ and have God forgive him. And he said, uh, Brother Kerry, this is the strangest feeling in the world. I said, yeah, it's wonderful. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. He said, no. He said, I feel like God's done something in my life way down deep in here. I said, yeah, he's changed you. He said, no, no, I'm talking about like in the DNA level. Down there, I feel like God has transformed me and changed me from the inside out. That's exactly what happens when the blood of Jesus is applied to the life of any single sinner. The blood of Jesus cleanses and makes righteous. It makes us holy. Those feelings of guilt are gone. Those feelings of shame are gone. And the feeling of forgiveness and freedom in Christ come back again. 
It's the most wonderful thing in the world. Forgiveness doesn't just come the first time we ask for it. Forgiveness comes every time we ask for it. So the blood of Jesus does that. And then lastly today, you know, we talked about sin and its effect on us and talked about the blood of Jesus and how it washes it away. But the question now is what about the cross of Christ? I think I got this one, Brother Kerry. Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. I get to go to heaven. That's true. Do you not, anybody not believe that? It's the gospel 101. Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And one day, I can go to heaven. <laughs> I got to say that again. It was so much fun. Jesus Christ died on a cross to forgive me of my sins. And one day, I get to go to heaven. Y'all didn't get it over here. Jesus Christ died on a cross to forgive me for my sins. And one day, I get to go to heaven. But the cross does so much more than just get my ticket into heaven, not taking away for it. Because the question is, you know, to, for that kind of forgiveness to come about, what, how much did that cost? Because everything in life that's of value costs you something, doesn't it? You might got kids. They cost you anything. Do you ever want to kind of add up how much it costs you to have kids? How about married people? Anybody married in here? It costs you anything to be married? There you go. So there's a price for everything in life. And my question is, for forgiveness, what's the, what's, what's the price? What does it cost for a person to be forgiven? Because I know God had to pay some kind of price for people to be forgiven. See, the thing in today's culture, we can say anything we want to, and it's called freedom of speech. It's one of the benefits of living in this country is that we can, we can speak freely. I can tell somebody what I think with any, without any fear of the government coming and trying to censor me. There's also freedom of assembly. That's where I can, I can disrupt traffic. I can get with other citizens, and we can gather together. We can, we can stop businesses. We can curse and swear into a microphone. We can treat police officers any way we want to. And we say, look, this is my freedom to assemble. But I think the truth, truth of the matter, it's, a, it's another thing is, is in this culture we live in, we say these, I can have sex with anybody I want to. It's true in our culture. It doesn't matter who you are, or, or I can have sex with anybody I want to. It's a free country. But I think that you really begin to understand freedom when you understand that there was a price that had to be paid for those benefits to come to a citizen. There was a price to pay. Somebody had to pay a price so that I could stand up here and preach the gospel. Somebody had to pay a price so I have the right to assemble with other people. Somebody had to pay a price so I have a right to bear arms. And the price that was paid in this country, the price that was given was the price of blood. The blood of young men and young women who fought wars on this soil and other soils that you and I could stand and, and we could enjoy the freedoms that we have in this country today. But the price that was that was given was the price of blood. I understand that personally. And my own grandfather was killed in action as a, as, a, as, a, as a United States airman in a plane crash. I never got to meet him, never got to saw him, but his blood was spilled because somebody had to, his blood had to be spilled so that I could be free. My own mother, he was fighting in World War II. My own mother never saw him until she was three years old because he was fighting in the war for all those years. It was a price that had to be paid. Everything of value has a price to it. And there was a price that had to be pray, paid. And I think when you understand the price that was paid, you have a lot more respect for the freedom that we hold dear. When we have a respect and understanding of what had to happen for that freedom to be purchased, we look at it just a little bit differently. 
The blood was not just the price that was paid for us to be free in America. The blood was the price that God paid for forgiveness of sins. Hebrews says the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer and sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The price of freedom is blood. Pagan religions will do the same thing. They'll sacrifice things because if the crops have failed or if sicknesses come into the camp, they'll, what they'll do is they'll, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll sacrifice something, sometimes even their own children, for the sacrifice of blood so that a liberty can come. And that didn't come from pagan religions. That came from God. And God desired from the very beginning, unless there's the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That price that was paid has always been blood. We used to sing a song, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What could make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then we sang, and what can be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. Something so wonderful is the freedom that you and I are given at the blood that came down from Calvary's cross. And so the last part I want to say to you today is how does the cross fit into all of this? Because the first part of the Romans talks about the individual acts of sin. The second half of chapters 5 through 8 talks about the sinner. It goes a little bit deeper than just the things that we do wrong. It goes to the, begins to deal with the problem on the inside of us that we are corrupted on the inside. A sinner means that bad people do bad things. The way God has designed us to be, not designed us to be, is to be free of sin. And so one thing I came to realize in my own Christian life is I loved God. I wanted to serve Him, but I couldn't figure out why I kept doing some dumb things that I was doing. And there was this whole, this life that I lived, my Christian experience was basically I'd give temptation, fall into temptation, fall into sin, and ask God for forgiveness. Every time I failed, he would forgive me. But it was a constant cycle. It seemed like you could never get out of. I remember just the, the frustration, and still to this day, the frustration when we sin, and, and it feels like you're just in this kind of rat race of, of temptation and then sin and then forgiveness. And I wondered, is there any way you can ever find victory over the rat race of temptation, of sin, and of, and of, and of forgiveness? And the answer, my friend, is yes. Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he broke the power of sin in the believer. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, everything that was necessary for me to live free and free indeed was purchased because of what Jesus has done for us at the cross. I thought that, you know, what you had to do a bunch of different things to, to find victory over sin. I thought that you had to cast out all the devils on the inside of you. And I casted devils out of everything that I knew to cast devils out of. I cast devils out of myself, out of my pocketbook, out of my mother-in-law, God bless her soul. And I found out that that's not the designation that God has for victory over sin. And then I thought, well, it's just positive thinking. And I went through all the positive thinking, self-help books, and you just got to change the way you think, and you, you got to just be more positive. And so I did that, and I found out that wasn't the answer either for overcoming the sin nature. And then I tried something else. I just tried harder. The pastor said, you're just not trying harder en hard enough. 
And that was the hardest part because I was doing everything I knew to do to overcome these problems, but I didn't know how to do it. And none of those worked because if those were what Jesus would have wanted to work, he would have just said, look, just be more positive. He would have said, just cast out the devil. He would have said, look, just try harder. But he didn't because what he did is he came and died upon Calvary's cross. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, all my sins were buried with him as well. And just like Jesus was raised up to live a new life, so in the same way I'm raised up to live a free, and a free life over sin and all that had besetted me. It's the most wonderful thought in the world. You're saying Jesus paid the price by dying on the cross that I could be an overcomer. That's exactly what I'm saying. So you're saying that Jesus died that I could be overcome I could overcome sexual sin, exactly what I'm saying. What about Jesus overcame anxiety and depression? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes, you can be free and free indeed. Jesus, what about jealousy? What about my temper, my anger, my envy? What about, what about all that Jesus did? What about addiction, unforgiveness? My friend, here's what happened in God's mind. When Jesus died on the cross and went into the grave, in God's mind, so did you. And just like you went in the grave and Jesus was resurrected by the power of the, of the Holy Ghost, in the same way in God's mind, when you came out and you came and you were born again, Jesus made you to live a brand new life. You're not the same person you used to be. We're different. We're not the same person. We're a brand new believer in Christ Jesus. When Jesus defeated alcohol, you did too. When Jesus defeated pornography, you did too. When Jesus defeated doubt, you did too. When Jesus defeated anger, you did too. When Jesus defeated self-pity, you did too. Low self-esteem, food addiction, poverty, depression, anxiety, whatever name you can put on it. When Jesus went on the ground and was raised from the, from the dead in the mind of God, you did too. So when God sees you, he doesn't see you as a broken down, beaten down person. He sees you as somebody who's brand new by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's kind of hard to understand, I know. It's hard to get, I understand. Let me give you a couple of real practical things you can do that will help you. First of all is understand sin and understand the blood and understand the cross. The next time you go and you get down, you pray to God. Say, God, look, the pastor said there's some topics that I need to understand. Help me to see it in a brand new way. Sin, the cross, and the blood. And then secondly, verse 11 of Romans 6 says it like this. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the part where faith comes in. You got to see yourself as God sees you. You got to see yourself like God sees you. And God doesn't see you like a broken down believer. He sees you as a victorious warrior for Christ. God doesn't see you as, oh, the, well, my just things are just falling apart. I can't ever seem to do anything right. That's not how God sees you. God sees you as somebody who's free and free indeed. You say, look, I can't ever overcome these things that I face. It's no matter, I mean, I just keep doing the same thing over and over again. I can't ever overcome it. My friend, now you got to go ahead and reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. No, no, no. I'm dead to that, and I'm alive to God. When Leon and I, one of, our, one of us pass, our relationship's going to change. One of us is going to be dead. Now, right now, that's a wonderful thought, isn't it, honey? I just, not really. I was trying to make a joke. 
Right now, we have a relationship. We get to talk to each other. We get to fellowship with one another. We can raise kids together, live life together. But when one of us dies, that relationship's going to change because one of us is going to be dead to the other person. So the Bible says this, that the relationship to sin is now dead. It used to dominate me. It used to have its way. But then all of a sudden, one day, Jesus Christ shed his blood and died upon Calvary's cross. And now my relationship to sin has now changed. No longer does it dominate me. Now I tell it what to do. No longer does the devil tell me what to do. Now I tell him what to do. No longer does the world tell me how I have to think and how I have to act and how I have to function. Now I tell the world how to think and to act and to function. He's the set the son free is free indeed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.